Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. I'm so thrilled to bring back for the first time a return guest on Lift Your Legacy, Rabbi Simon Jacobson, who will be joining us today to discuss and go a little bit deeper uh, now that I have much better perspective of how he sees things after reading his amazing book, Towards a Meaningful Life. We discuss ideas that surround how do you build appropriate mentorships in your life, how do you build a relationship with God, and how do you understand and deal with overcoming life's physical and spiritual challenges. So there's a lot of great information here, and I really appreciate Rabbi Jacobson coming back one more time. Rabbi Jacobson, thank you so much for joining us here on the Lift Your Legacy podcast. You are the very first return guest, which means a tremendous deal to me. Uh, And now that you're coming back, I've now read your book, which I should have done beforehand, Towards Meaningful Life, which I highly recommend to anyone that has not read it yet. It's a compilation of the uh, Rebbe's wisdom on really literally, like, literally everything in life. And it's, and it's really fascinating. It's a real storehouse. And I really, really enjoy it. So thank you very much for being back with me today. It's my honor to be here. And um, I'm excited to discuss issues that I am sure can help your listeners and people all over the world. Okay, very good. So I was speaking to a, a, a new friend of mine yesterday about one of the major challenges that a lot of people face, uh, at least in, in, in our circles, a person goes through the beginning of their life and there are very clear sort of set out, you know, um, markings of, of what we should be doing. There's the next grade, there's the next test, there's the next final, there's the job market, there's how do I, you know, how do I build my resume, there's going into dating, there's going into marriage, there's going into childhood, but then somewhere, depending on how early you start, that sort of drops off and life sort of begins. So what I wanted to start with asking you is, how does a person sort of, should a person start to re-put um, you know, levels of success back into their life to like benchmarks they should try to reach? Or how does one start to navigate life when it's no longer so like easily set out? Firstly, I think everybody, wherever they are in their lives is always going to have uh, challenges. The challenges, internal challenges, like being um, somewhat lazy or unmotivated or external challenges like health issues or uh, pressures at work or uh, parental um, expectations. So everybody, wherever you are in your life, life by definition is going to have an impediment or two, what we would call challenges. So obviously there are also in life particular milestones, like when you go through major transitions, like a transition um, graduating from school or marriage, as you put it, or unfortunately divorce or a death in the family and either positive or negative transitions. I think with all of these situations, I'm just going to use a mystical psychological uh, model that anything in life is always going through, first of all, life is constantly in flux. There's no such thing as a static life. We are not couch potatoes. We are not in one place. I remember a a cardiologist once saying to me, it's a very difficult life, and he said to me, I wish I had just one day of total peace. So I said, what do you mean, like a flat line? He said, no, 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 no. 
You know, we know a flat line is not what you want. A cardiogram, if you look at it as waves, that's life, it's waves. So it's critical to see life as in waves. And a wave, as we look at an ocean waves, they come and go. They rise and they fall. You're able to navigate life much better when you realize life is not going to stay exactly one place. It's not a still photograph. It's a film. And it moves from frame to frame. There are times where you go up and there are times you go down. And you want to have a balanced journey and you navigate that journey just like you navigate a ship on the waves. So in that sense, one can anticipate and prepare and say, you know what, there will be changes. There'll be some curveball or some new experience. And when you anticipate it and not try to fight it and not try to think in terms of, oh, I, I don't like it, but rather how do I navigate through it? It's a very different type of attitude. Now, of course, there are going to be experiences in life. I remember when I lost my father. My father passed away 13 years ago. You can't really prepare for that. As, as good as a navigator as you may be, there are issues that are going to be. So you have to think of it in terms of, and this is where I use the three steps. You're in one state. You sometimes enter a vacuum or a void where you are not unexpected, and then you want to grow from that to the next state. Think of it like a like a, a caterpillar turning into a, butter, a butterfly. It's a metamorphosis. You start with one state, you shed a layer of skin to assume a new layer of skin. And all growth, as you look at, works that way. That's how we grow. We, we, we're in a certain state, we then go through some frustration or some challenge or some setback, and we see it as a springboard to get to the next level. I think those are the key things to know. When you know that beforehand, that life is always going to pose that that um, challenge is far easier to get through anything you go through. Now, I'm not sure if this was exactly your question, but well, no, I, I think this it, was my answer. it was fantastic. I want to, I want to perhaps delve into to a couple of things that you that you mentioned, which is unlike a, a unlike a lobster, if you would, uh, or a butterfly who has to break out of their shell or has this natural process. You know, and, and, and it's very easy to draw that analogy, I'm not saying it's easy for you, I'm saying that it, that it is a, a simple analogy to realize that in the process of growth, there always has to be that constriction and then kind of breaking out, etc. I think one of the major differences that people have with our cognition is that we could be screwing up or that our environment could actually be changing. And so one of the, the, the challenges that, uh, you know, I, I perceive is that is opposed to saying that this is the path that I have to go to in order to get to my goal. You know, if a person wants to be more healthy, then I'm gonna to have to give up certain foods, I'm gonna to have to start exercising, etc. Rather than that, oftentimes the goals themselves are highly nebulous. We're not really sure what we're doing, or maybe the problems in our lives are a reflection of shortcomings that we currently have or mistakes we made in the past, or we can perhaps change our circumstance. So one of the big challenges in, in my estimation with that concept that, that you brought up is how do we take into account our humanness, that we make mistakes that we could actually change our outcome or that we don't understand or see that we're becoming the butterfly. Okay, excellent. Well, part of the things that we have to always anticipate and recognize inherent to the human condition is what we'll call subjectivity. We're all subjective creatures. We have our prejudices, we have our biases, we have our self-love that can blind us. And I would categorize um, subjectivity in three ways. You have personal subjectivity, that's like personal interest. If it comes to you, you usually are unable to always see your own faults. That's what turns you subjective. A second subjectivity is based on attitudes that we may have picked up from our parents 
And third, the social pressures in our lives that we want to conform to marketplace standards. I think it's not the goal is not to become objective. The goal is to recognize that you're subjective. That is why in a healthy situation, if you need advice, let's say about real estate, buying a house, you go to experts. You need legal advice. You need medical advice. You need financial advice. So there's nothing to be ashamed of to recognize that sometimes I'm, I'm subjective. My interests, my self-interest may blind me. That's why we have the concept, find a mentor, find a teacher, find a colleague, find, find a friend. Acquire someone that can, you can run by a sounding board. That's one of the ways we counter our own inherent subjectivity. And I think that's one critical thing to know whether I'm, maybe I'm getting in the way of my own success. And I find that to be very common. We have goals, and then for some reason we're unable to reach, and then you realize you're your own worst enemy because you, either due to your fears or due to your underestimating the situation because you don't want to accept, let's say, your own limits, you end up not getting what you want. So I think it's just a matter of really recognizing and honestly appraising the fact that each of us has our subjectivity. And the best way to counter that is get a good friend that you can they can challenge you. Let them kick you in the pants, if necessary, in a nice way, but challenge you. you. You present something, and they say, you know what? I think there's another way of looking at it. That, to me, is one of the key things that many people simply don't do because they don't want to hear that they're wrong or they don't want to hear that they made a mistake. I know, I, I know consultants or accountants that tell me, I, I have clients that pay me top dollar not to listen to me. <laughs> I tell my accountant tells me, and my client tells me, I, I tell my client, you know, you made a big mistake, a million-dollar mistake. He doesn't want to hear that. Nobody wants to hear. So I say, so why are you paying me? I want to know that there's someone watching. <laughs> that's, that's the human absurdity of the human condition, that we don't always like to hear things about ourselves that are not, uh, that are not pleasant. I'm a writer and a speaker. I love critique. Not that I always like it in the sense, of course, sometimes it could be hurtful, but I like the idea of I want to achieve excellence. You're not going to achieve excellence if you're not going to allow yourself to be criticized. You know, you think of the top tennis players in the world. Ask them, how did they get there? Because there was a coach that challenged them. And they had to, and they had to lose many times to an opponent until they improved their game. There was no such thing as excellence without the resistance or without the challenge of someone saying to you, you know, you're not doing it right. And that's how you improve. And, and just to get even more clear when a person when should a person seek advice meaning that you know one of the you know there's always like the rock bottom or the tennis player says you know i need to get my game up but for the average person you know is it just enough to feel like you're stuck is it enough to feel like you don't know the right path going forward when you go out and get that advice what's the right time to start reaching out i think people are different you know some people have a built-in engine inside of them that really want to excel and they're ready to do take, pay the price. Like, for example, you want to run a 21-mile a marathon, there's a price to pay. You have to condition yourself. And if you don't have that inner will power and motivation, you won't do it. There are situations where, unfortunately, some people have to hit rock bottom, where they really get desperate, and that's when they reach out for help. So I would like to believe that most of us could motivate ourselves and don't have to wait till we really hit rock bottom I really think it comes down to if you're a sincere person and you're really seeking, for example, to have the best possible relationship with your spouse, with your family, that you'll work at it. But we all have our blind spots, and I don't know if one size fits all. 
I think each person has their own so-called limit, has their own um, benchmark of what is considered to be a challenge and what, what, what is considered to be a, 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 a lack of success that would motivate them to succeed. But very many, some people will tell me they're fine with being mediocre. They're fine without really excellence. And you know what? Okay, some things I just won't be good at. It's sad because you say, I always say to them, but you're capable of so much more. Why would you write yourself off? Other people are not that way. They'll say, no, I want to reach the top and I'll do whatever it takes. So I think it's important to, to assess yourself, be honest with yourself, which person you're like. You know, some people are very, have that ambition and that drive and that endurance. And some people find it much more difficult. Some people need to be part of a team to get them motivated. Some people are very good being on their own. I don't think one person, one size fits all. You need to really assess what will it get you to go. Some people, motivation. I, I can tell you for myself, I thrive on interacting with others. So very often, if I want to get something going, I try to collaborate with someone, and now there's a deadline. Now there's pressure because someone else is looking at you, and they're saying, where are you? And sometimes it's harder to motivate. But I'll be honest, I also sit alone at times, hours and hours, and I try myself to do something. So you really need to look at yourself and see what are the things that really get you going. Um, one thing when it comes to looking at, at mentorship and also figuring out getting you going, and I think it's, it's very interesting because especially reading um, Towards a Meaningful Life, you see that the Rebbe was able to really nail, you know, kind of every single area that was applicable to everybody. There's literally like a chapter on everything. And a lot of times we, we sort of need our mentors or we want our mentors, or maybe it's not right for our mentors to have sort of the, the complete picture of what's going to work. And what is a challenge is, you know, like you gave a great example of, of real estate advice or perhaps career advice. You know, if, if you would go to a person and say, I want to be making X amount of money a year, or I want to get to one particular level in a company, and you can sort of replicate what the people above you did, one of the major things that you might not want to replicate is everything else about their life. And so when a, when a person is, is in an environment where they want to grow and they have their balance, but they want to fix up one certain thing, is it, I guess, how do I articulate this in a simple way? The, the, the idea is when you're trying to find proper mentorship, how much does that balance or how much does them excelling in all the areas of their life matter when you're asking them? Yes, the guy's an outstanding lawyer, and so I can get law advice from him, but because he was an outstanding lawyer because he was never home for his kids, but I want to be home for my kids. So how do I, how do I, how do I build that, or am I ultimately the, the mentor for myself and just kind of figuring it out? Very good question. I, I would uh, cite the words of Hillel, the sage, where he says, if I, am only, if I'm, if, if I will not be for myself, who will be for me? And then he continues and says something seemingly contradictory. If I'm only for myself, what am I? I think a healthy person has a, a balance of knowing that you need to have self-reliance. You are unique in your skills. And that's why we say, if I'm not for myself, who will be for me? The lawyer, your lawyer, your accountant, your rabbi, your mentor, your teacher, they're not you. You need to be for yourself. You need to find yourself. However, to find yourself... And just be completely self-contained is not the way it works. You need to also know if I'm only for myself, what am I? So we learn from our teachers and we learn from our mentors and we learn from our lawyers and our, from our other consultants. What we learn from them is exactly as you put it, expertise in their area and confidence in that expertise. But you're not becoming them and they shouldn't replace you and you don't replace them. Look at the human body as an organism. A healthy mind, you have a heart. 
you have arms, you have legs, you have a liver, you have so many different or, uh, organs and limbs and, and parts. Each one has to do their part, but also knows that the other parts are complementing them. Think of an orchestra. Let's say a hundred-piece orchestra. This one's the violins, this one's the strings, this one's the piano, this one is the harps, and so on. Each one, absolutely necessary, but each one also necessary to have the others to complement them. And I think in life, that's the key to balance. Sometimes we completely lose ourselves and we let someone else try to become someone else, someone you're not. Sometimes we're only ourselves and we don't know how to rely on someone. So I think the key thing is to realize, if I go to a lawyer for real estate advice, or legal advice, all I want is legal advice. I'm not looking to the person to be my role model as a father or a husband. For all I know, the person is a lowlife, you know? But they're an expert in this area. I go to a doctor, the same. Now, that is meant to be, first of all, giving me advice what to do in that area. Secondly, in every situation, you always want to find um, mentors that are role models. But they're only role models. You know, I had role models in my life, but I did not become them, and they are not me. I learned from them. You learn confidence. One of the key beautiful things about a great teacher, you know what a great teacher is? Not just someone that teaches you great, uh, excellent information and data and knowledge, but someone that teaches you methodology. That means when you go back to your own life, you have a method how to solve a problem. Not just have a teacher who answers questions, but teaches you how to answer. Like they say, they don't just give you the fish, they teach you how to fish. And I think that is the key because then you learn from them methods, but then you learn to adapt and assimilate those methods in your style. And I know for me, the greatest compliment is when a student or a reader of mine tells me, you empowered me to be me. I'm not looking to empower them to be the, the teacher should be empowering the student to be the student, not to be the teacher. So I think that balance is necessary, knowing that we do need others to give us guidance and direction, but empower, they empower us to be ourselves, to be leaders in our own right, and not just dependent on the model or on the consultant that you're referring to. Shifting gears slightly um, is the... It, this is sort of, I would call this more of a, as a relying on your, on your expertise in Hasidus, uh, one of the basic principles that is certainly repeated in, in at least the teachings of Rav Nachman, so I don't know if there's a crossover to the teachings of the Rebbe, but that the problems in our lives are in, indicative of some kind of a breach or a distancing of our relationship with God. So if a person's have an issue in their parnasa, for example, making money, or an issue in their marriage, that it's, it's some kind of an indication that they should sort of wake up and get closer to God. So the question would be, when a person does start to experience suffering or challenge or difficulty in a certain area of their life, is the first stop God or is the first step the marriage counselor? Is the first step God or the first step the, uh, the, you know, the, the business you know, strategist? How does a person rectify that kind of thing? And on the other hand, when they are experiencing these kind of tragedies, how does one stop themselves from saying, well, it's just because I'm not really a good person. That's why you know, the, the, the tax bill is so high this year. I, it's an excellent question as well. Yes, this is a fundamental spiritual concept that all uh, material breaches or all physical schisms are rooted in spiritual ones. And, um, uh, but the key thing to remember is that matter and spirit work hand in hand. It's like a soul and a body. If a person, for instance, has an infection in their body or has some other illness or, let's say, cut, you have to address it on a physical level, but there's also a spiritual level. And one doesn't replace the other. I think you need to go about it simultaneously. 
Just like, for example, any issue in life, sometimes you need a very practical intervention, as well as psychological or emotional and spiritual intervention. So to embellish on that, basically if someone does have an issue um, in any area of life, let's say a breach in their marriage or in friendship or in some other way, something was a betrayal. So there's no question, you can't just go to God and say, let me reconnect with you and that will resolve my problem with my friend. Because as a matter of fact, tshuva, which is repentance, helps for everything except between man and man. Because if you hurt somebody, you need to go remedy that. You can't just say to God, I did tshuva. The things between you and God is between you and God. But if you, 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 so, but I think it goes hand in hand. When you hurt another person, in a way, you've also create, you've also hurt God. When you disconnect with someone in life, you're also disconnected with your own soul. So the way to to repair that breach is on both levels, on the on the on a very practical way, make up with a friend, and in a humble way, show um, regret, show remorse and so on. At the same time, in your own spiritual soul-seeking and introspection, look into your own heart. What's the disconnection that happened between me and my soul and between me and God? Because at the end of the day, if you're disconnected from other people, you're going to be disconnected from God. If you're disconnected from God, you're going to be disconnected from other people. So I don't know whether you go first to the marriage therapist or then to, or to your prayer. I would do both simultaneously. Like Jacob, when he had to meet his brother Esau, he prayed. He prepared, a, he prepared for war, but he also prepared a bribe to appease him. The, first, the, the prayer and the appeasement was enough. You have to cover all your bases. So, and just to put it on the other side, how does a person avoid, and I know despair is such a fundamentally, you know, like a, such a negative, a horrible thing in, in Judaism because it's such a disempowering uh, experience. But when a person does suffer, let's call it a financial setback, call it a, a marital setback, whatever it might be, how does he not say that, you know, God is essentially punishing me and then kind of want to distance yourself from God as a result. How do you run towards God when you feel like, you know, it could be that according to his perspective, he's smacking you in that, in that specific area. Well, this is one of the biggest misconceptions out there is the religious and uh, misconceptions about reward and punishment. As if God is some type of principal angry man with a long white beard on a throne in heaven, waiting to us, waiting to strike us with lightning when we misbehave. Let me reframe and let me revisit the meaning of reward and punishment. Reward and punishment is not like a parent or an educator and a child. You do a good thing, I'll give you a candy. You don't, I'll take away the candy or I'll punish you. Reward and punishment is cause and effect in the context of God. When you put your hand in fire, your hand gets burned. It's not the fire is, is punishing you. It's the nature of action and reaction, cause and effect. So I would say the following. If something's not working in your life, it's, it, you, you are the one that needs to do something about it. God responds. God is not punishing you. It's a matter of you doing something. If you do something destructive, then of course, in a way, God reacts to that. It's a reaction. It's a reaction that is resulting of our cause. And if you repair it, God responds also in kind in a good way. This type of idea to make God a scapegoat for our problems is just not, in my opinion, healthy or appropriate. And the way we have to look at it is like this. When there's an issue in a person's life, the first thing you have to look at is accountability. You're accountable. What, why did you do it? What did you do? You can't just say, it's this one's fault and that one's fault. It's God's fault. Now, there are circumstances, of course, where we're challenged in life. Some people say, why did the Holocaust happen? I didn't bring it upon myself. Or why is there uh, uh, illness in my family? Why did someone die young? Yes, you can turn and say it's God's fault. Or you could say, I don't know God's ways. 
I have to do the best with what I have to be the best person I can be. That's the way we have to look at it. And when you do that, in turn, you get the blessings from above instead of like pointing fingers here. That's the way I would approach it. How do we find you on your own channels and the own, you do a ton on, on all kinds of social media channels. So the easiest is www.meaningfullife.com, like the name of my book, meaningfullife, one long word, .com. And there we have YouTube connections and Facebook and you name it, Instagram, all the social media. It's easiest to find it on the website. And if anybody wants to communicate with me directly, Simon at MeaningfulLife.com is my address. There you have it, folks, another inspiring episode. If you enjoyed this, I ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on Rabbi Rupp through Facebook or on YouTube. And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, We have a ton of amazing speakers coming up and also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.